you might have looked at that and said, it's going to get really serious in here. <laughs> There's thundering happening. It's going down. No, I, uh, hey, listen, <laughs> thank you for being here today. Uh, my name is Moises. I'm the pastor here. If I haven't had the opportunity to meet you, uh, it, you know, come see me after service. I would love to get to know you a little bit better. Um, man, why do, can we give it up for the worship team? That was, I mean, that, that was good. We got um, we got a packed service today. We got communion, all kinds of stuff happening uh, today. I, I, before I start with the sermon and this new sermon series that we're kicking off this this, this week, I, I want to just kind of um, make some announcements real quick, so I don't have to uh, do those at the end. I usually forget when I get to the end. I get into my sermon, and it just goes crazy. So um, this past Friday night, thank you for those who have been coming out on Friday nights. This last Friday night was our highest attendant family night that we've had so far here. So it's been good. Yeah. So listen, Friday nights we meet here at we start eating right at 5:45. Um, we, we, we get started at 6, and at 6.30, we have all our options that become available for uh, kids, youth, young adults, adults, and everything. You name it. So um, anyways, if you're around on Friday and you don't want to cook, it's free food, and you get a Bible study thrown in there. I mean, how can you go wrong? Um, so, yeah, that didn't, you guys didn't sound too excited, but it's all right. I get it. I get it. It's Friday night. It's Friday night. I know. Um, also, this coming up Saturday, we have a serving opportunity uh, we, we do have a booth at the Mineral Springs 7th Annual Festival uh, that's happening right around the corner here. Um, our church is booth number uh, Shelter 19, Shelter 19, so we'll be there. Um, it's a serving opportunity, so on Saturday, if you have the opportunity, we'll be there 9 to 4. We're asking folks if they want to pop in and do two-hour increments and rotations so they could come in and serve. If you're available on Saturday, we'll be there getting to know the community, serving them well. But something I'm super excited about next Sunday is we have water baptism, all right? That's a big deal. That's a big deal. You should be more excited about that, okay? Maybe you're not excited about the serving opportunity of the Friday night, but the baptism Sunday is something to be excited about. It's when people decide to take their faith public. If you or someone you know wants to be baptized, sign up today. Talk to me. Talk to someone. Let's get you registered for that. That is happening next Sunday right here. You're like, how are we going to do this next Sunday? You wait and see. All right. Um, and the last thing is something I'm super excited about. We have the men's breakfast happening September 16th. All right. No, I'm not paying for it. Like I did last time. Now I'm going to challenge you, right? Last time I, I, the challenge was like, I'll pay for it if you come. Now I'm going to say, let's see if you're all about that. You come. And no, I'm just kidding. I, we'll, we'll be there uh, September 16th. It's going to be at Queen South at 9 o'clock that Saturday. Um, they actually, that restaurant has been really good to us. They end up, they don't have a breakfast. They have a brunch menu that they offer on Sunday mornings, I believe. Saturdays and Sundays that they open at 11. But they open the restaurant at 9 just for us. That's how special you are, all right? If you're a man, look at the person next to you and say, I'm special. No, I'm just <laughs> Especially if it's your wife. No, I'm just um, But yeah, make sure. <laughs> we do have a registration for that on Planning Center. Make sure that you signed up for that. And I'm taking too much time doing this, all right? So um, we, today we begin the sermon series titled God Sees You. And I, I think this is going to be important because we're going to be looking at the life of Jonah through this whole sermon series. And, and most of you, if you've been around churches for a while, you know that the Bible character of Jonah is a well-known character. Um, for the next few weeks, we're going to be going over things like obedience, anointing, calling, distractions, restoration, you name it. Okay? 
Um, today is special because in the story of Jonah, we're going to have a testimony that's going to be tied to one of our very own here. One of the most powerful concepts of the story of Jonah is when he gets called by God. We don't really know how that happens. The Bible doesn't say that this came through a verbal uh, command from God or a dream or vision or, or writing on the wall or through another prophet. No, the Bible just says that God told Jonah, go. And many of us could relate to this command because some of us in our personal lives have received that command from God personally, where God has told you personally, go. Everyone loves a good story, amen? One of those impactful things about me getting up here and preaching is when I start telling a story about myself, I see all the eyes locked on me. Well, God is no exception. In his revelation to humankind through the scriptures, stories compromise 40% of the Old Testament and 60% of the New Testament. Therefore, for us to understand God's word, we must learn how to appreciate, study, and apply the stories in scriptures. Why is that? Because stories engage our minds, but also senses our emotions and, and works within our, our lives to adjust and relate and do things differently. They invite us to share a different experience about God's truth. We enter into these lives in Scripture and begin to read them, and we see characters, and we see through their joy and pain and victories and defeat, we see God just do amazing things through people. And that experience gives us truth to our lives, to our hearts, and it settles within us to have faith in the fact that God is at work at all times, no matter what's going on. Romans chapter 1, verse 12 says, When you get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. In 1 Corinthians 12, 25, it says, This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members can care for one another. Amen? All of us was put, you and I were put here on earth to make a contribution. All right? We're not here just to consume resources, to eat, breathe, take up space. God designed us to make a difference in the life that surround us. Where most people want to get the most they can get out of life, God has created us to add to our life here on earth. Listen to what Ephesians says in 2.10. It says, it is God himself who has made us what we are and given us new life from Christ Jesus. And long, and long ages ago, he planned that we, we should spend these lives in helping others. John 17, 4 says, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And here today in this room, we're going to make room for that. I'm a firm believer that our personal stories are not for everyone, but they're for someone. You won't hear, that won't be the last time you hear that from me. And today we get to hear one of those stories. You know, when I first opened the doors and we first opened the doors to this campus on February 5th, a man walked in through the door. I, I like to call him the first, fruit, the first local fruits of this ministry. He kind of walked in, and you know how you walk in, you're like, what's the catch? He kind of walked in with that concept. And even when we went to eat together, it, our conversation was like, what's the catch? This is too good to be truth. All right, if they flush the toilet one more time, I, I'm <laughs> just <laughs> You know, after three, I have to say something. Uh, flushes happen from 10 to 10.30 here, okay? No, I'm just kidding. 
Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, you know, but in the short time that I've known, uh, that I've known Joe, he, I, I, I see, I've seen his giant heart and how, how he cares about his faith and, and how he loves others differently, you know? He cares about things deeply, and he spends time and effort in those things. And, 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 and I know that he's nervous maybe a little bit to get up here in front of everybody. My dad always told me that I, I would, when I started preaching early on, I, I say to my dad, Dad, I'm really nervous. And my dad would say, well, worry when you're not. You know, because when you're not nervous, that means you're relying on yourself and you've gotten too good. You know? So, and my dad always dug that into my head. You're nervous. That's a good thing because you're relying on God. And I know Joe may be nervous because he cares. You know, he has a powerful testimony, many stories. We could go on and on and talk about his stories, but today he's going to share one of them with us today. And um, will you help me welcome him and make him feel a little bit more nervous this morning as he comes up here and shares with us? Is the mic working? Oh boy, everything's rolling. Now I've only got like 12 minutes to go because Moises went so much over time and that, so it's going to make it a little bit more difficult. But I really want to, who I'm mad at right now is Styles. He had to come up here and talk about this forgiveness thing and it just like messed up my whole story because I was trying to figure out, you know, when I, when, once you start hearing what, what happened here, a lot of it comes from um, ill bones, ill heart, ill things like that. If we don't forgive people, the Bible says that it will go down into our bones. A lot of people, like we, all these cancers that are going around, a lot of that is because people are bitter and they're angry at people and a number of things have happened in their lives and that's really where it comes from. The Bible actually says it will get deep down into our bones. And I have to confess, uh, you know Jonah, he was told to go talk to the Ninevites. I think Jonah really hated the Ninevites. I think they were a brunt of people that he had already talked to several times and they probably threw things at him, ran him off, called him names and all kinds of things like that. And he probably got really bitter. I got to admit, my life has been filled with a lot of bitterness. I've been working with people in the sales industry for 30 years. And man, you get messed over a lot in the sales world. But frankly, a lot of the most biggest, worst pains I've ever had has been coming to churches. You know, pastors promise things, people's promise things. And boy, sometimes you just get really angry when they don't come through because you expect a church perfect and to give you everything that you asked for, but it doesn't always work out that way. So I just wanted to start off with that. It was just a confession of, of that's where it's at. No, but my wife said, hey, are you going to start off with baby pictures? So honey, no, I'm not starting off with baby pictures. I'm going way back further than that. I'm going back to the creation and starting off because this Bible verse here out of Genesis tells us that after God created everything in the cosmos in our world, on the seventh day, he had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all of his work. Rest is not one of my best things that I ever do. In fact, I never rest for anything. Whenever it happens, my kids are laughing up here. It's like, Dad is always doing something. I work crazy 50, 60 hours a week because that's what I was told to do. My dad said, be perfect, work really hard, and get things done. Churches, you come into them, it's like, hey, do everything for the glory of God. Work hard as crazy as you can because you want to bring glory to God. So we wear ourselves out. Your family's got to be perfect. So you spend all your time with your family and your kids. You just run out of time and there's never enough of it. 
But God was so concerned about us taking care of our bodies and getting rest that he made it number four of the Ten Commandments. We're actually commanded to take a rest. And how many of us do it? I never do, hardly ever do. And it's, it, I paid for the price for it, honestly. You know, so it, was, it really got bad. And, no, but it wasn't because God wanted us to rest. He wanted us to stop and take a day to thank him for all that he's done for us. That's really what it comes down to. God takes care of everything, and we think we've got to do it, and that's what gets us in the most trouble is when we take that path. So that's where we're going to go today. And we're talking about Labor Day. Labor Day is a holiday because it was established back in 1894. So all these kids and stuff you see these pictures of here, enjoy. That is not one of my pictures. I was not in that. Don't be picking on us old people again. But that is not a family picture. But, 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 but back in the 1800s, things were, things were so bad. Now think China. Now think India, where the kids are working 12 hours a day and getting a dollar a day. That's the way that it was in the United States of America. And people were actually dying. Children were dying. You see the guys, I don't know if you can see it down there, but they're up on skyscrapers with no cables and no anything underneath them. And people were actually dying. So our country went and decided that they were going to create a new holiday. And go, go ahead and flip the, flip the side there. To, and I would bet that God saw all that was happening and said, this is not good. And he saw us and said, I'm going to do just like I did with Moses. And I delivered the Israelites out of the desert because and out of the slavery and freed them up because God cares about people all the time. The suffering at the hands of leaders who use people for monetary and political gain is great way back then, just as it is today. So perhaps relating to the times today, God did something way back then. Maybe he's causing it to happen again because a lot of us are still working really hard and not getting very far. So I want to tell about that story today, and I'm just going back and wondering that um, if God saw the government's situation and softened their hearts to bring on a, a holiday for things because he sees us and cares about us. And everybody knows God knows everything and is everywhere. Everyone knows God sees everything. But are we aware of all the pre-thought-out things he is doing in our lives? We pay as close attention to the details of everything, even slightly close to how God actually does take care of us. Today, try to keep your eyes to all the small little things. I kind of wiggled some stuff in. My son helped me with this PowerPoint. So there's some little hidden messages. You know, but the in intent is to help you to see that God cares way, way more for you than you actually think he does. Way, way more. But don't fall asleep. It could be deadly. I'm going to show you why shortly. <laughs> Do not fall asleep. Um, Pastor Moises picked today. Actually, him and I worked on this. We had a lot of deep conversations the last few months. He's been fantastic. I, I just honor you. You, you know, you've been great. You've actually revived this old guy and brought some life back to me again. So thank you. But he, he allowed me to come up here because two years ago on Labor Day, something happened to me that changed my life, changed my family's life. We're going to talk about that today. But it happened on September 6, 2021, almost two years ago to this date. We're a little behind. There we go. Okay, right there. But first I want to go to a Bible section in the book of Acts where Paul was talking to some people and it kind of got a little weird. He got, uh, you know, was kind of making fun of death. But death is a serious topic, but is it really that serious? So you've got your Bibles, turn to Acts 20. 
I'll read this here for you. You don't really have to turn to it. It's already on, on the screen, obviously. But one day, Paul was preaching in Troas, and he kept talking until midnight. As Paul spoke on and on, somebody ever complain about preachers that speak too much? He was speaking on and on. It says, a young man named Eutychus, sitting on the windowsill, became very drowsy. Finally, he fell sound asleep and dropped three stories to his death. Picture a kid laying on the ground. Yeah, it can't, can't be good. So Paul went over and bent over him and took him in his arms and said, don't worry, he's alive. Then they all went back upstairs and they shared in the Lord's Supper. I don't know if they had little sippy cups with the, the, the grape juice like we did, but they, they went back and did that. And Paul continued talking to them until dawn. Started in the day, through the evening, and all the way to the next morning, he talked to them. Now, he was very, very concerned about the people and wanted to make sure that they knew everything that was going on in his life. And he was getting ready to go somewhere and said he wasn't going to come back. Paul thought it was so important to learn all the principles of the Bible and all the things that God had taught him that he was willing to spend the whole night. And what's amazing is nobody left. <laughs> Even the kid who fell on the floor, he's probably sitting there with a thing on his head, and you know, they wrapped it up and all that. He stayed for the entire time too. So hopefully you guys are all going to stay too and not leave before I finish this up. But now, because I know we're running short on time, I want to go to something really serious here. And um, we're going to play a little video that is really humbling for me. And I know for my wife and my kids sitting here, they're probably going to have a PTSD moment. But I wanted to share this personal piece to show what can happen in life when you least expect it to happen. So, Ben, can you play the video? Do you know what day it is? I, sit down. Don't get up. Just sit oh, down. Come on. Sit down. Do you know what day it is? What day of the week is it? Just sit here for a minute with me. Sit down. Don't get up. What? What? Sit down. <laughs> sit. Sit down. <laughs> Sit down. Um, sit down. What are you doing? Sit, don't. <laughs> sit down. So, what you saw happening there was literally me sec seconds after the start of having a stroke. Something none of us expected, especially me. <laughs> I actually felt like I was in the best shape of my life. I had just had a physical a couple months before that. Cholesterol was great. Everything was perfect according to the doctor. It all was great, but apparently it wasn't. Um, and when we look back on the time, um, perhaps the cause was related to a bad case of both COVID and the flu that I had had about nine months before that. And Cindy, who is not normally bossy, geez, what, was, what was that? No, and, and she's not a masochist either for pulling out her phone and saying, hey, I'm gonna film this, my husband dying here or, or anything like that. No, but, but in reality, what had happened was when I had COVID, um, I had what she thought was a little seizure. 
So she called 911 and the ambulance came and when they got there, I was totally fine. Their ambulance people were looking at her like, why the heck did you call 911? But Cindy was so cognizant of what happened on this day two years ago that she said, I'm gonna film it just in case this happens again and you pop out of it so I can show it to the EMTs so they can say, hey, this is really, this is what happened. And so I did not pull out of the stroke this time. So what happened, or out of whatever happened that previous time, so what had happened is I had what's called an ischemic stroke. That's where a damaged heart, like mine, that I later found out I had this thing called AFib, had, had no idea that I had it. I never felt that my heart had a problem. If anything, I knew my brain had a problem, but <laughs> I didn't have too much problems with my heart at the time. But so what happens is your heart pumps blood and it spurts things out if you have AFib occasionally. So it can get really bad if it spurts out a clot. And that's what happened is I got this big old clot in the back of my head. Apparently it was a very large one. So what's horrible about having a stroke is it cuts off all the circulation to your head. It, it needs that blood. So in that one minute of time on that video, I lost 1.9 million brain cells. And if you look at that blue chart over there, for an, after an hour, you lose 120 million brain cells, which means you technically lose about three and a half years of your brain life. It can be pretty bad. In the video, or, or, there's a thing up here called BFAST, and that's what my wife did. I had lost my balance, which is what made her find out what was going on. She, she threw me on the couch, literally <laughs> did that. My eyes were blurred. My face was drooping, which you probably can't see it. My entire face froze. It was like I had just come out of the dentist, and had Novocaine put in it. My arm was weak. I could not move my right arm. And I could not move my left arm. That's why, if you notice at the end, I pulled my glasses off with the left. And obviously, I had speech difficulty. The clock was ticking and ticking, and every second mattered. But fortunately for me, on Labor Day, Cindy was at home on her day off. Otherwise, she may have come home from work, and I would have been on the floor, and that would have been it. So praise God that that happened. But she called 911, but she wasn't perfect. On the 911 call, oops, she spaced out, told the place where she worked rather than our home address, and kind of lost a minute there of the time. So now I had lost an extra million and a half brain cells, <laughs> thanks to her little mistake. So, but at 10.41, we heard sirens close by. Three minutes later, can you believe it? The sirens were already going right at the end of the 911 call. No harm was done to that, because the ambulance was parked literally behind Waxhaw Elementary School. You were paying attention to the slide earlier. That 1401 Old Providence Road is where I live, right over here, one block away. Praise God. The ambulance was parked behind Waxhaw Elementary School and literally was in our driveway within a minute after that. Now, for this family here, what are the odds of two years later, I'm in this building with a brand new church, telling this story after walking to church two feet away. <laughs> now, is that all coincidences? Is that good luck? No, am I like that guy, Eutychus, the kid whose name actually means luck? So if you go back and look at that thing in Acts, it's really amazing. Eutychus means lucky. So is that weird that the Bible had a kid named Lucky that fell down from three stories? And Paul, who's Paul's actual name, you know what that means? Paul's name means small, little, little guy. So he saved somebody's life and it nonchalantly acted like it was nothing because Paul had done so many miracles already like that already. No, but here's this small stature person 
that did great and amazing things. God saw. God sees everything. We had another little issue there. The ambulance drove right past our house, and we're thinking, oh, no. <laughs> now what's going on? We thought maybe they're on the way to another emergency because, you know, three, how does an ambulance get there in three minutes? Yet this one went by, but fortunately, it stopped and realized they had missed our driveway. Our road is not on the same thing as Old Providence Road, so they had to come back to the driveway. One minute later, they were in our driveway, and then a minute later, they were in our living room with the gurney. The fire truck also showed up at the exact same time. So the fire truck took four minutes, slackers. <laughs> the ambulance got here in three, the darn fire guys got there, it took them four minutes, but they had me strapped in that thing, carried me outside and put me on the ambulance. And at 10.48, I was in the ambulance rolling down Old Providence Road, right past Waxhaw School, through town, and ended up at the ER, which is at the beginning of Providence Road, halfway up the road. Only eight minutes later, I was in the ER, a total of 20 minutes after that. But 20 minutes was 38 million brain cells gone. Between 10.57 and 12 o'clock, they went to work at the ER. Some fantastic work that they did. They ran me through an MRI, all kinds of different things like that. And they did a thing called a TPA, which is like a drug that's supposed to break up the clot. Well, it failed. So at 12.10, I was then rolled to the helipad, which I was over there the other day. It winds around. It probably took four or five minutes to roll me up the helipad and slap me into that thing. But it was a pretty exciting day for me. I had my bucket list met, my first ambulance ride ever, my first helicopter ride ever, <laughs> my first MRI, and I was on the way to have my first surgery ever. You know, but wow, all those amazing things were happening, but look at the time up there, 99 minutes at that point in time. I had now lost 188 million brain cells. Technically, five years of my brain life was gone. Between 12.15 and 12.30, I was strapped into the heliport helicopter where the blades were turning around and it was soon to be up in the air. But to my horror, the worst thing that I, I knew about this then, I would have definitely said, God, keep me alive because my son, my daughter, my wife were sitting in the parking lot praying for me, watching me being wheeled out to the helicopter and saw me take off. <laughs> I can't imagine what, what that was like for you guys when, when that happened. Um, but you know, can, you, can you think about that? So I'm up and riding in the helicopter, wonder if this is it for me, not realizing or maybe realizing that this would have been the last time I would have ever seen them. But God didn't let that happen. But things got weird. <laughs> this whale came up and swallowed me, sort of. You know, but, but you remember Saul. Saul. Paul used to be called Saul, but God changed his name to Paul. Abraham, Abram was changed his name to Abraham. Jacob got changed to Israel. Simon got changed to Peter. Well, several years ago, God changed my name, my relationship with him to Jonah. <laughs> Believe it or not. So if you guys are paying attention, it says Jonah's, Jonah's journey up there. I had that on all the other slides. So I, he spells it J-O-E-N-A-H. God and I had this intimate relationship. And God does that, I think, with everybody if you want him to. No, he may call you sweetie or, or I don't know, depending on what you are. But for me, he picked Jonah of all the things. That, that's what happened. And weird as, as this is, as Moises and I were talking about me doing this presentation for, based on the Labor Day weekend and things, and he goes, yeah, guess what the topic's going to be? I go, oh, I don't know. What is it? He goes, Jonah. 
Get out of here. So here's another coincidence that it fits right in exactly with this story. So God's pretty amazing. So we, we had a, you know, we know he orchestrated this to the fullest extent. You know, so I got up in there and I had a conversation with God, kind of like you and I are talking right now. People think, oh, you got to get on your knees and hum and all these kind of things. I have these conversations with God all the time. And I was just like, well, God, I see you finally made me to lie down in a green pasture. So being spiritual, that's from Psalm 23. And be still and know that you are God. Ha, ha, ha. Psalm 46.10 says that. So God and I are having this chuckle type of conversation. And, you know, and God said, well, not exactly. But you know, you do tend to never slow down and have been a bit bothered lately. So maybe you needed to be tied down just a little bit for a moment. What do you think about this view, Joe? You know, the helicopter's flying through and he's talking to me all about this stuff. And they did switch to the, hel to the helicopter. Zach, by the way, drew that thing. Isn't that cool? <laughs> So, so Zach, in and of himself, is a miracle child. We had three miscarriages in our life, and we were told we shouldn't have another child or can't. Zach was our miracle child after Aaron was born 10 years later. So, and he's pulling stuff like this. So God does amazing things in our families all along. So I can't cover that now because we don't have time. <laughs> so, but, but I was, uh, was up in the air talking to God on there, and I said, look, I got my passwords are all on a thumb drive. I've got my user sites. I've got my life insurance taken care of. Check, check, check. I'm pretty sure my family liked me a lot. I've had a really good life. I says, but God, at the same time, I'm not really satisfied with what's going on you know, so far. And he goes, and I said, but, but maybe this is it. Maybe I want to go to heaven now because things have been kind of rotten. These people that have been treating me nasty, these Ninevites, it's been rotten. Now, I think I want to go to heaven. And he says, well, do you want it to be the last day? So then I started counting my blessings. Great family, great kids, great life, lots of good things. Had a few bad things like that happen. But God said, it's up to you. I'm pleased with you at this point in time. If you want to stay, okay. What a decision <laughs> to be asked to do while you're flying in the air in a helicopter. No, but I'm pretty sure God said that. But I, I had a, a question for him. I said, but God, all those Ninevites, those people that have been so mean to me, those people that have backstabbed me, those people that have lied to me, people that have not kept promises, you know, what about them? And God said, Jonah, are you complaining about that plan again? And he also said, if I don't give you some more things like that to deal with with people, what are you going to write about? So I said, all right, let's go. Fix you up is what God said. So we went and landed on the top of the rooftop of the ER in downtown Charlotte at Atrium. And the Lord said, trust me, Jonah, I've got this. So I was talking to the group of people that landed there, and I was telling them, God has got this for you. You people are going to be fantastic. You're going to save my life. Everything's going to be fantastic. But in reality, all I was saying to them was, <laughs> so, so, so I knew what was going on, but, but they didn't really know what was going on. So next thing I know, I was out cold. They gave me these stuff that I saw, a few things I didn't really want to see. And next thing you know, there I was. And they had me in the ER immediately performing what's called a thrombectomy. That's where they take some tube thing and take it all the way through your thigh, up through your heart, through your neck, through your face, and it ends up in the brain, and they're supposed to pop that clot that was in there. It's, apparently it's a really big one, and it didn't work. So they told me we're going to have to try it again. 
They didn't tell me that. I was asleep and I was out, but I found out <laughs> that, that they said we're going to have to do this again. And praise God, it worked the second time. It was fantastic. You know, a miracle took place at that. So what Brad problem was, that was 175 minutes at that point in time. And I lost 332 million brain cells, which is equivalent of about 10 years of my brain cell life. And did you know that why they call things a stroke? They call it a stroke because it's related to a bolt of lightning. You never know when it's going to hit, where it's going to hit, or who or what it's going to hit. So that's a fact about strokes. And strokes are really bad. 140,000 Americans die from it each year. 60% of people end up being totally debilitated. Yet I was not. God had to do a tremendous miracle there. There's no doubt about it. My brain ended up being um, repaired somehow, or maybe that TPA sort of worked. And I got some blood in my face. I don't know what it was, but it ended up not causing a major problem. So if we go to the next slide there, at 4.10 p.m., the doctors came in, Dr. Miller and all the nurses and people that were there came and told me, came and ran some tests. Things were going on. It's like they were like shocked. They said, this is not normal. Most people that come on this floor after what you've been through do not have this happen. I actually remembered the names of three of the nurses and said, hey, Sally, hey, Susie, and all that and was talking to them. And the doctor said, do you believe in God? Because this is unbelievable. I said, oh, you better believe I do. I don't believe in luck either. And he said it to me, truly, we have seen a miracle. God did an amazing thing. I'm, I'm alive here talking about it two years later, and that normally doesn't happen. So Psalm 66, one of my favorite psalms, says, Come and see what God has done, what awesome miracles he performs for people. For by his great power, he rules forever. He watches. He sees you. Every moment of the nations, every movement of the nations, and let no rebel rise in defiance. God saw Everything fell in place to keep me under the four hours, or you're going to be toast, <laughs> literally, time frame. Yet God actually did beyond that, certainly, because I had zero residuals. Most people come away and have to go through all kinds of therapy. Zero. Zero medicine, zero anything. God didn't, didn't quit crying here, and you're going to thank me to it, too. But, but pray, praise God that it happened. Indeed, God sees everything. And then just one last thing. He wasn't finished. $300,000 in bills just for the ER visit alone. My insurance company's policy said that they were going to pay 100%. Well, I was considered to be out of network. They still said they'd pay 100% according to the policy, but they said, this atrium's messing you over. We ain't doing it. We're not going to pay it. So for the next nine months, I had to sit on the phone literally day and night talking to the insurance people, talking to hospitals, trying to get, get it taken care of ended up getting the state of North Carolina involved with it. And at the end of it all, $300,000 plus three more procedures, which came out to about $400,000, I paid 500 bucks. God takes care of everything. <laughs> He's got it all. Now, and everybody knows this verse. Well, not everybody. It's people that don't, don't read the Bible don't. But we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together as a plan for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. How's that? 25 minutes, Moises. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. You think Joe is a little taller than I am?
Um, listen, I, I, what an amazing story, right? Um, you know, I, I believe that countless groups of people here, if I gave everyone the mic, everyone would be able to tell a story. I've, I've once heard that life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we react to it. And, um, you know, none of these things, you know, go without notice. Paul said, I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. Um, and, and I believe that everyone sitting in the room, God wants to use you to make a difference in the room. He wants to work through you. What matters most is not the duration of our lives. It's the donation of it. It's not how long you live, but how you live. You know, I, I told the worship team that we're going to sing one quick song. How long is that song, Ricky? Five to six minutes. If you need to put a timer on me, five to six minutes, okay? I, I, I fully believe that life is too short. And like Joe said, a stroke could come at any minute and, and things of any kind could happen to us. At any rate, are we going to let others ruin that for us or, or the, concept, the, the, the circumstances surrounding us ruin that for us in our lives? What could possibly be holding us back to live the life that God has called us to live to the fullest? Could something have happened to you that is that bad where you have the perfect reason and excuse to not allow God to fully let you see your purpose true and hold. You know, I know Abraham was old. Jacob was insecure. Leah was unattractive. Joseph was abused. Moses stuttered. Gideon was poor. Samson was codependent. Rahab was immoral. David had an affair. Elijah was suicidal. Jeremiah was depressed. Jonah was reluctant. Naomi was a widow. John the Baptist was eccentric, to say the least. Peter was impulsive. Martha worried a lot. The Samaritan women had several failed marriages. Zacchaeus was unpopular. Thomas had doubt. Paul was poor. Hell, Timothy was timid. What is the excuse? You know, I've always been the type of guy that I feel like God has called me to eliminate excuses. I did it with my youth group when a young person would say to me, Moises, I don't have enough money to come to camp. I said, that's not going to stop you from going to camp. I don't have a ride to get there. You will get there. I feel like that's one of my personal callings to eliminate excuses. I want you to stand with me today. And, and I'm going to have prayer partners all around the room. I want those people to put themselves in place. I, I, Joe is going to be up here. We're going to have Joy in the team. I'm going to be up in the front. Styles is in the back. And for the next five to six minutes, I want to eliminate the excuses that could prevent you from accessing your healing, a new relationship with God, deliverance 
This is something we don't do here often. And you know this if you've been coming here. But if you need healing, what's stopping you from receiving it? You need to start a new relationship with God. You can have it today. I understand that our lives are messy, but they're doable. God takes the challenge. And as we worship, they're just going to sing that, that song, that last song. What's the name of it? Living Sacrifice. Living sacrifice. We're going to sing it for five minutes. And I'm going to open up the altars. If you want prayer of any need, the excuses are eliminated now. This is not optional, friends. This is a necessity. I never met someone that looked at me in the eye and I said, I need no prayer. I can't think of nothing I need prayer for. We all need it. It's depression, anxiety, mental instability. Things have gotten really wrong in your life. Find someone. I put people in the front. I got people in the back. Have, you, have your choice. I'm eliminating the excuses. Give yourself the next five minutes to find a prayer partner and have your moment with God. Your life is super meaningful. And whatever has happened to you, it's all a purpose of what God intends for you to accomplish tomorrow. That's true for all of us. What's the excuse? It's late. We got to get out of here. As we sing this song, I'll be standing here. There'll be people standing. Find a prayer partner. Pray with somebody about whatever it may be. I believe that God has the ability to help us, to deliver us, to set the path straight in our lives, to bring light into the darkness and make us whole today. Amen. Do you agree with me? Let's worship together. My spirit in strength 
Father, you, you realize the reason why we do this. You may be a person that said, prayer for what? And there's lives coming up here asking for multiple things, needing multiple things from God. 
accepting that touch from God, needing an encounter from God in one way or another. I thank you for your patience, for allowing us to have this moment. Hearing the testimony of Joe encourages me that God is capable of so many things, that he could accomplish so many things in our lives. It doesn't matter what the need is. It doesn't matter what we're struggling with. It doesn't matter what we did. All we know is who God is and what he's capable of doing now in our lives. So seriously, again, I thank you for the patience of being here. I'm gonna do a prayer and kind of dismiss the service. I thank you for being here and giving us the time, thanking the kids ministry as they're holding the kiddos back there. Um, but seriously, can we give it up for Joe and his testimony one more time? That was amazing. I know he's still praying. Thank you for the family and for sharing and for allowing him to share. It's amazing. It, you don't know how encouraging that is for us to hear. I get up here every Sunday and I preach, but sometimes I get to sit there and be encouraged by a word like that and it speaks to my life. So I'm gonna pray and dismiss us. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you, God, for giving us an extra, a little bit of extra time of your presence this morning. Lord, we, I just repeat every need in the room, everything that we prayed for, Lord. All those things have been lifted up to you, God. And right now, Lord, I just, I just put all those burdens in, your, in the altar. You could carry it well, God. We can. But Lord, let us be frontline witnesses to the amazing miracles that took place in people's lives today because you met them here today. Thank you, God, for being so good and allowing us to have this moment. We love you, God. Help us to put to practice what we learned this week so that we could be better servants of you tomorrow. Thank you for being so good to us. We can't say it enough, God. You are so good. And we give you worship and praise today. We love you, God, and we praise you. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. And everyone said, God bless you. Thank you for being here.